Listen, if you're tired of spending so much of your time hustling in your DMs and Facebook groups every month, hoping to snag your next client and would much rather have potential clients reaching out to you on a regular basis, I created a free guide to show you how to build a community of people who know, like, and trust you and can't wait to click the buy button on your next offer. And you can download it for free at the link in the show notes. You're listening to Captivate and Convert, the weekly podcast created to help you become known in your niche, attract the people you actually want to work with, and get paid to do what only you can do. I'm your host, Christy Sigelski, and each week I'll be sharing tips and strategies and chatting with other online business experts to show you how to charm your audience and turn your browsers into buyers. If you're ready to render the competition irrelevant, you're in the right place. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Captivate and Convert. I'm so happy you're here today. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Tamara Glick. She's a personal stylist and personal brand strategist. And word on the street is she's even got some mad copy skills. So you might get to hear a little bit about how she uses all those talents to help her clients build polished and professional personal brands both on and off their computer screens. Now, if you're anything like me and video is maybe a little bit of a challenge for you, you're going to walk away from today's episode with some tips that'll really give you the confidence to help you show up on video and a few tricks you can tuck up your sleeve to help you stand out on video as well. And, you know, if you're not anything like me in the least and showing up on video is easy for you, (laughs) you're still going to want to listen in because Tamara spills the tea on some of the ways you can style yourself and your space to take your video game up a few notches. Hey, Tamara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm really excited to have you talk about using video, leveraging video to scale your business. And I happen to be a huge fan of your personal style. And so I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit about the work that you do with your clients and any little styling tips that I can get along the way. So I'm just going to let you tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Thank you. So hi, everybody. I'm Tamara Glick. And I'm a personal brand strategist, both written and worn. This all started too long ago to even remember. But suffice it to say, the first word I could recognize was sale. And everything pointed in one direction from there. But my career as an image consultant actually began when I was doing my MBA. And I decided to go into advertising, which is not one of the two usual directions that a person would go in. And so when I would ask at my career center all those many moons ago how to put myself together to go to a networking event or an interview in that industry, I got great advice for really corporate environments, but Mm. it was really poor advice for a creative environment. And I learned that the hard way. I had to restructure my approach. I had to re-strategize and really figure out how to convey the message about my personality and my unique abilities through my wardrobe and my dress so that as soon as somebody would see me, they would know exactly what I was all about and that I would fit in in that industry. So I did that 
And it worked. And I kind of became obsessed with this idea that the way that you dress yourself and the way that you speak or convey a message, these are not incidental things. These can all be really strategically mastered and help your audience to take in the messages you want them to take in. Awesome. So we hear this term personal brand thrown around a lot in the online space for sure. But what is it really? And why do we need to really think strategically about it? Such a great question. I think a lot of people believe that a personal brand is what your website looks like, or Mm. the style of email that you send. But that is really just the tip of the iceberg. Your personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Ooh, that's good. (laughs) But it's true. And Mm. your personal brand is every interaction that a prospect has with you, whether that is in a photo or on video or in a message written or on the stage. Is it something that you have to... I don't know. I'm just thinking like when I'm thinking about all these different areas, the ways that we communicate with people, it almost seems a little bit stressful to think that you have to have that figured out with every email you send or every caption you create. But how does that look in the real world? Is it just sort of organic that happens? Or do you really need to think about every single aspect of communication or presentation of yourself? What a great question. I think that there's a bit of a blend. And also, I would suggest that blending it without thinking strategically is like the difference between having a hobby and having a business. So if we think about how we are naturally in the world, how well are we actually conveying that to people who don't know us? How well are we communicating who we truly are and our unique gifts, even to people who do know us, would they say, oh, like, when people know you, they really understand this, but not everybody has a chance to really get to know you before they get to understand you. We make decisions really quickly as humans. And that's just the natural way that we survive in the world. When I think about how quickly we make decisions, I would think about the last new person you met. Maybe it was a date. Maybe it was a cold call. I bet that before they even said hello, you had an opinion already formed. And if you can help people to get to the opinion that is the most correct and the most in alignment with who you are and what your purpose and your mission is, then wouldn't you want to take that opportunity and use it in the best way that you can? I think if you run a business, you do. And that's true for any brand, whether it is a person or it's a thing. But we tend not to think about it so much as people because it does feel, it can conjure up all kinds of negative ideas, which I would want to avoid. What this really is about is having an understanding of who you are, what your purpose is, what your gifts are, and being able to successfully communicate that message to the people around you and do it easily. That definitely clears it up and makes more sense to me. Now, you talk about matching your personal brand to your desired state. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is if you are thinking about who you want to become in the world and who the best version of you is, are you showing up that way now? That's the question that I like to ask when we start. Who is it that you want to be in the world? 
What are the gifts that you want to be known for? What's the contribution that you want to make? And who do you want to be surrounded by? What are the elements of that ideal state or that next level for you? And are you already showing up that way? Oftentimes, especially in the work from home world and the online business world, there's definitely two camps of people. There's the people who are like getting themselves together every day and going to work. And then there's also like team pajamas. Whether you're team pajamas or you're team put yourself together every day, you probably have similar business crushes or ideal business analogous owners. And they, when you look at them, I would say to yourself, if I desire to play on the same level as my greatest business crush or the person that I admire most, am I showing up in the same way that they are when I see them online or when I see them on stage? And if the answer is no, then I would want to investigate that a little bit more and find out what we can do to help get you closer to that vision, to that ideal. I really like that. So what's coming up for me as you're talking and you're, we're looking at who are the people we look up to and how are they showing up? One of the things that I know I've personally struck, struggled with and I hear this a lot is that it's all about sort of being authentic, right? Like I obviously I want to, I want to show up as the best version of myself, but sometimes I'm working at home and I'm literally wearing yoga pants and a t-shirt a band t-shirt with a jean jacket. <laughs> like that's who I am. So mm-hmm. if I were to say show up on video and be fully decked out with this amazing dress and fully accessorized, that's not really who I am on a regular basis. And that might be what I aspire to, but it almost feels a little bit inauthentic to think of presenting myself in that way. So what's the balance of those two? I get this question a lot. And I think that What we all need to come together on is that we all know if you were to go to an office environment or if you were to go in person to a client meeting, you would probably not show up in a band t-shirt and yoga pants unless you were teaching yoga, right? That would be scary. Or if you were in an active profession and you needed to get on the ground and you're being very physical in your profession, if You are in another environment where that is not the case or where you are looking to be seen as the expert in your field, then you would probably dress it up a bit. But there is a lot of space in between yoga pants and a band t-shirt and a full dress and earrings and makeup. That's though It's not from one to the other and there's nothing in between. There are levels of dress and there are different ways of being business casual and still being creative and comfortable without going all the way to the other end. If we're talking about this in terms of like who we look at online, not everybody looks like Marie Forleo and not everybody needs to. She looks amazing. Just as an example, you can also decide that you want to look more like Gabby Bernstein, who also looks amazing, but has a considerably more casual style about her. What is important is that neither one of those people, no matter how casual, no matter how dressy, and even when Marie is casual, she's not turning up without having done some prep work. The casual that you see in any professional is one that is created purposefully. And it's one that's created with respect to oneself and respect to the relationship that they want to nurture. And I think that's really what it is 
This is about the relationships that you're creating. It's about the reputation that you're building for yourself. And although you may not take yourself seriously, if you are taking your business and your relationships and your success seriously, then this matters. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and I will say to your earlier point about looking to your desired state, there's definitely something to the idea that when you take the time to really think about your outfit, think about how you're presenting yourself and exploring that a little bit more fully, you definitely do feel like you're on your A game. It's way different than getting up and just throwing on whatever and showing up behind the computer. There's like a feeling, there's a feeling and energy that you bring with it when you take the time and the care to do that. So it definitely makes sense. One of the topics that you teach about is using video to build your brand. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like specifically, what are some of the benefits of leveraging video and what should we be thinking about in terms of showing up on video? Yes. So I think also like the, the fear of how do I show up authentically and also closer to my ideal state, it, it becomes so much more vivid when you start bringing video into the conversation. And I think for good reason, when we're sitting at home and we're doing our own thing and it's like, messy bun and 12 liters of coffee, you know, we're, we don't need to think about it. And there are always going to be some days like that where it's like, I'm not having any meetings. So it is like study day. I'm just going to do what I need to do. Yeah. But when you are now online so much more than you ever have been before, especially now that we're all working from home, whether you choose to continue that in full or just in part using video communications in business, this is just the beginning. It's not going to go anywhere. So one of the most important business skills that you can learn right now is how to be just as persuasive, professional, and polished on screen as you are when you're in front of somebody in real life. So when I'm talking about how to build your video presence, it's really becoming comfortable with setting, having the right technology set up, knowing where your camera is and where to look having great sound and light, and also feeling really confident about how you appear on screen. Because so much of the time, we don't want to have our, our camera on because we don't like to see ourselves on screen. It's awkward. And it is. In a real-life situation, you never see yourself. Yeah, totally. I, I really struggle with video because I don't feel comfortable at all. And I feel like I can't think on my feet. So I would encourage in that case for people to think of it like a phone call. You have to think on your feet in a phone call. You have to think on your feet in an in-person meeting. That doesn't change just because you're on video. But what does change is the amount of self-consciousness that can come from seeing yourself on the screen. So here is my secret tip. Oh, good. I can't wait. When you're using Zoom or if you're using Microsoft Teams, another platform, but primarily on Zoom, if you click the three buttons, the three dots rather, beside your face, you can hide your self view. Oh no, but do you want to do that? You do want to do that. Once you have your work from home space set up and you are confident about where you're looking in the camera and your lighting is good and it's stable, then the next step would be turn off the self view. You're not turning it off for other people. You just can't see yourself. 
And so that makes it feel like you're talking to a room of other people as opposed to you're talking to yourself because you're looking at yourself. That's so interesting. I've never heard anybody say that before. And so obviously you can see the person you're speaking to, but you're not, I know I find myself doing this often in Zoom calls where I'm looking at myself and I'm adjusting my hair or fixing this or touching that. And it's super distracting. So that's really interesting. Yes. So it's, I have the same problem. Everyone has the same problem. We all like look at ourselves when we see our, a reflection of ourselves, or if you're anything like me and somebody's holding up a hand puppet, even though you know that they're speaking, you're still looking at the hand puppet. Um, <laughs> no, to, yeah. So to prevent yourself from focusing on you instead of focusing on what's happening in the meeting, just remove your self view from the equation, but keep your camera on. Most people don't realize that they can do that. So they turn the camera off. But when oh. you turn the camera off, no one can see you. Right. And when you think about how people make decisions and how quickly they make decisions, it's not based on your voice. It's not based on your words. It's about that human connection. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think it's probably, I don't know, it seems a little bit scary to do that because you feel like there's a lack of control. But the other side of that is that if you are super distracted and you're constantly looking at yourself and touching this or adjusting that, the person that you're speaking to is not really going to get a sense of who you are and whatever it is they're trying to gain from from this conversation because it's distraction. So you're not going to come across as your true self. It's not something that I ever had considered before, but it just makes so much sense. You're right. Think about when you come into contact with somebody who is busy adjusting their hair and their shirt or the whatever, and they, and they seem distracted. It can also subconsciously come off as feeling self-involved. Yes. And that is an immediate turnoff for your audience because they want you to be involved with them. Oh, that's a really good point. So taking the time to really explore your personal brand, really feel comfortable and confident in it and in yourself, all of those issues of feeling like it's not authentic or it's effortful or whatever, those things fall away. Because the ideal is that when you're showing up in your best form, it's 100% authentic to who you are. It's your very best you. That's nothing less than authentic. That is all authenticity. And once that becomes second nature for you, then everything else about fiddling with whatever, your hair, your clothes, and all of those things, they all fall away because they're no longer an issue. And you can truly be present. So good. All right. So tell us if you can give us some of your secrets, just maybe a few of your tips for standing out on video. Absolutely. You want the TV trifecta. I I talk a lot about the TV trifecta in the work from home masterclass and particularly in the work from home space portion of the masterclass. The TV trifecta is your key to having a really clear view of who you are on screen. It helps to immediately start building that know, like, and trust factor that we're always striving for in a human interaction. So we want to make sure that your TV trifecta is cared for. We also want to make sure that whatever's happening in the background is simple, interesting, 
and contextual. So a lot of people I find when they're working from home for the first time, they all of a sudden become very worried that their home isn't beautiful enough or there's too many piles of things or the space is less than ideal because you can see some stuff it might feel too personal. So taking some time to figure out the best spot in your home, whatever your home looks like for your work from home space can really help put you at ease and help you show up really well on camera. So in the background, what we want is simple, composed and contextual items so that it doesn't look like you're just against a plain wall because that can look like a hostage video. Um, <laughs> what we want, you know, because there's no context. What day is it? Where are you? I don't understand. The right. same problem happens if you use a digital background. Most people think they can solve the problem with a digital background. But the problem with a digital background is as soon as you turn your head, the illusion is ruined. Yeah. And so then you start chipping away at that no like and trust factor because nobody knows where you are. Yeah. And they're like, what are you trying to hide? I hate the digital backgrounds. <laughs> exactly. I mean, have some fun. You know, if it's the holidays or if there's a theme day, by all means, enjoy those. Absolutely. But on a regular basis, a digital background can actually do more harm than it can do good to your personal brand. So I avoid them. I would much rather see a person take the time to create a very simple backdrop that even may have a couple of personal items in it, because after all, you are working from home. Nobody expects that you're not. Right. So what I would say is think about how you would want somebody to feel if they were walking into a space for a sales conversation with you if they were walking into a space for a feedback conversation with you, or if they were walking into a space where you are the expert, how would you want them to feel? What would be present? What would not be present? And that's a good yeah. starting point. That's a good way to think about it, for sure. I know that people kind of get a little weirded out sometimes thinking about sharing their personal space, but I do think that's another point of connection. Like it's interesting to, or maybe it feels like a little more homey too, if you can leave in some of those personal effects in the background. I really just think it helps the, you know, the connection point, if that makes sense. It does. It absolutely does. It it gives you the sense that this is a person who's 360 degrees of a person. And it gives you the opportunity to share a little bit more about who you are. And you can do that with purpose and choice. In my background, I have a series of books that when people can read the title, because they often do, they'll often like, I can see that they're reading the title. <laughs> and one of my clients actually asked me if I changed the books depending on the client. Oh, funny. Which was really funny. And I was like, actually, no, I, I don't. But he's a man. And I have a few books in the background that are about style and men. Oh, he felt that they really just fit him really well. And, and he felt connected in that way. And he was like, what happens if you have somebody who's not a man? And I was right. like, well, I mean, I also have the essential story, history of Wonder Woman. And I also have, you know, a book that. about copy and slang. And he just didn't focus on those. But other people do because it's their interest. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So it's like a conversation starter. It is. Nice. And that would happen if you were in an IRL office. If you went into somebody's office in real life, there would be something to have a conversation about. But when we're yeah. on screen, we don't have so much opportunity for that to happen because you only have 13 inches. Yeah, absolutely. Everything in that 13 inch space has to be meaningful. 
That's interesting. So you mentioned your work from home masterclass, which is a great resource for personal brands, but also people who are now finding themselves working remotely as a result of the pandemic and haven't necessarily had to think about showing up for video calls or Zoom meetings. So can you talk a little bit about the masterclass and what's inside? Absolutely. So the work from home masterclass was developed because I realized that I had a kind of unique skill set that flowed across having been in the corporate world and also now being in the digital entrepreneurial world of online business ownership. What I realized this year was that when everybody was sent home to work, we had two distinct divides. We had a group of people who were very accustomed to the level of polish that you would find in a corporate setting. And we had a group of people who were pretty comfortable with the technology that you would normally use in an online business setting. But rarely would those two things come in contact with one another. And when everybody went home, those who were accustomed to corporate environments were all of a sudden dealing with the things that digital entrepreneurs deal with all the time, the distractions of home, kids around, all of those things. And that polish disappeared. There was a, there were a lot of reasons for that. There was a lot of panic. There was a lot of depression, a lot of uncertainty. But I realized that as we got deeper into this new stage of business life, that digital communications was not going to go away. Video was not going to go away. It was now going to be the primary way that we communicate with one another for quite a long time. And so we really needed to develop a new way of understanding the benefits of it and how to use it. And you were getting a lot of these like camera off moments. And I thought to myself, if you were working with people face to face in real life and all of a sudden that disappeared, you probably have some runway for the stability of that relationship, right? Like the amount of no like, and trust that you have with one another that you've invested in because you've been face to face before for such a long time. But how long would that runway really last? And what if you needed to build new relationships with people that you've never met in person before? Like so many online business owners often do. For that, you really need to show up with video. The thing is, is nobody really knew how to use the technology effectively. Even online business owners, we know what we're supposed to do, but it doesn't mean that we always do it. So I wanted to develop a resource for people to be able to self-train how to become more confident and more persuasive on camera. Because really, unless you went to journalism school, why would you know any of this stuff? <laughs> right. Good point. You really wouldn't. And we even saw that when newscasters were sent home and delivering the news from their living rooms. I, I love calling on Will Reeves. I feel bad because I, I mention him all the time. But the no pants, the, the no pants the newscaster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. If Poor guy. somebody who went to school for camera presence can make that kind of a mistake on national television. I'm pretty sure the rest of us have some stuff to learn too. So the work from home masterclass is divided into two distinct sections, work from home space and work from home style. And in the work from home space section, we talk all about how to choose the right space in your home, no matter what kind of, of home you have. I am speaking to you now from my office, which is my closet office. It's literally four by six closet that I've turned into an office. And when you see me in this space, it looks like I'm facing a sunny window 
and I've got lots of space behind me. And that's because I've been very strategic with what goes into the background, the technology that I'm using in the foreground, and creating this feeling of a bright and welcoming environment. And I teach you how to do that in the work from home space, the first half of of the masterclass. In the second half of the masterclass, that's the work from home style portion of the masterclass. And this is where we start talking about things like, how do you dress for the camera? And why do I always look worse on screen than I did in the (laughs) mirror? Like two seconds ago, I ask myself that all the time, all the live long day, because (laughs) the fact is you do. And it's not, I know it seems like it's a problem, but it's really not. It's just that when you are dressing and grooming for real life, again, like, as I said before, in real life, you've got all of this space, all this context around you, people's eyes move around, they take in all the, the rest of the information and some of the little things just are that. They're just little things. But when you're on a 13-inch screen, you don't have all of that extra stuff. Little things become so much more important. And so in the Work From Home Style Masterclass, I teach you very easy ways of making sure you look your best on screen no matter what. And that includes like, how do you know what colors to wear or not to wear? How do you know what the colors even do for other people subconsciously? Because you can be making really strategic and smart choices about the types of colors that you wear in different meetings, depending on what your goals are for the meetings. The point of that is not that clothes are going to totally change the outcome of your meetings and all you have to do is change your shirt. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is your clothing, your grooming, your space, your technology, all of those things can support you in delivering your very best in every on-camera situation. And I show you how to do that in the Work From Home Masterclass. That's a really good way to express what it's about. And I love that you brought those two pieces together because I think you can look really great. Your outfit can be on point. You can look beautiful. But if your space is wonky, it's going to detract from what's going on in the video or in the meeting and vice versa. So I think it's great that you put both of those pieces together. It's not just about styling yourself or styling your space. You get all of You do. You get all of that. Blazing the trail. I love it. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'll make sure that I link to that in the show notes so people can check it out if it's something that they want to have access to. Are you ready for the Christie questions? I am ready for the, oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, this is so this is so fun because you got you and I think the last three people that I have interviewed for the show have chosen not to know the questions ahead of time. And Ooh. that has not been historically the case. So I love that you guys are willing to be surprised. <laughs> Putting it all out there. The chips will fall where they may. Well, these are these are all fun questions. So no, no pressure. Okay. So The first one is, this is just a selfish question because I'm curious to hear your take on some quote unquote style rules. And what I mean by that is that there are these parameters that we live by when it comes to the way we dress or how we style our hair, even makeup looks based on things like our age or 
body type. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts on that are. Are are there any hard and fast rules that we all should be following? So that is a, that's a great question. And I know that historically people have been really rigid about it. When I work with people on style, I think what's really important is it's not just about your physical person. It is about your energy and your essence and your end goals. Those are my most important things. Yes, of course, your physical being is important because we're going to clothe it. And clothing's important. We've never gone a day in our lives, unless we really chose it, without fabric (laughs) on our bodies. Even the day you were born, you were wrapped in fabric. It's important. It's important that it feels good. It's important that sensorily it's good for you and sartorily it's good for you. So when I work with people on style... I would say, yes, there are certain rules that always apply. And those are the rules of color and balance or line and design. And that those are usually a little different for each person because we're not all the same size and shape. But what we're trying to do is achieve balance in our physicality because the human eye likes balance. That's it's just a thing within our brain. That's what we like to see. But Some people, you want to really emphasize some really cool features that they love. Some people, if they're really tall, they're like, I I never want to wear heels because I'm already too tall. What's too tall? If you are comfortable with your height and you want to wear heels, by all means, my friend, wear those heels. Sometimes I think that we focus so much on harmony that we miss out on things like drama. But what we do need to know are some basic rules because then we know how to break them. So when I'm working with people on style, the rules for me are let's understand your energy, your essence, your end goals, and your physical being so that we can complement it in the best way possible through color and line and design. Awesome. I like it. This is a funny question. What's one look from the past, could be specifically your past or just the past in general, that you'd rather burn all proof of its existence? Oh, boy, that's great. I'm trying to think of something that I would want to... Okay, so I think in general, I would want to burn all proof of existence of ultra low rise anything. Oh my God. Yes. I am so with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my thing. Especially if it's ultra low rise with visible underwear. Yeah. That is universal. I don't care who you are. I don't need to see your boxers and I don't need to see (laughs) your thong. I don't unless there's a reason for that. Agreed. Okay. What's one look from the past that you hope makes a comeback? Oh, I I would love to see, and I feel like in some ways we are, I would love to see the 70s more. I love that decade. Oh, interesting. I was not going to peg you for that answer. But oh, really? Yeah. I, I thought you were going to be more with me on the 80s. But Oh, I love the 80s. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. But I think the seven, I, there's something, every outfit I have has a 70s tint to it sometimes more obviously than other times. The 80s I really loved. And I I always wish that I could have been a teenager in more of the 80s. And I've always wanted to be a teenager in like the early 70s, not this time around. Yes. What I and you know what the other thing I wouldn't mind having go away is like most of the 90s. Yes. I know I'm backtracking on the question, but I'm just thinking about it now. That's really where the low rise really bothered me. The low rises in the 60s and 70s didn't bother me. They weren't that 
some of them were really low, but they were better because they had the bell bond. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It definitely no. wasn't the same. I know what you're saying. That's mm. funny. Okay, last one. Most embarrassing Zoom moment, fashion related or otherwise. So literally yesterday I was on a phone call and somehow got unmuted. And I say somehow because we were all on mute. So I don't know how I was unmuted, but all of the people heard me talking to my cat. (laughs) I could see how that might be slightly embarrassing. I know for me, if I was talking to my dog and thought I was muted, it would be pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the best slash worst part was one of the leaders of the call said, is that somebody not on mute? And the other leader said, oh, yeah, I think it's Tamara talking to her cat. Like, they knew exactly. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> they knew exactly. Oh, my God. That's I guess I was using my Manushka voice. Listen, it could have been way worse than that. It could have been. If that's the worst, I think you're doing pretty well, actually. <laughs> I had I was on a call with a client a client the other day and I took a sip of my coffee and it literally it was like I had no no bottom lip and it went down the front of <laughs> all over my white shirt. Luckily I acknowledged it because I mean it was pretty obvious that something happened, but luckily she couldn't see the huge stain down the front of my shirt. Because oh, no. we had like 15 more minutes on the call. But it, I was like, only this would only happen to you. Seriously. That's too funny. But how funny would it have been if she did see, if she really noticed that you had no bottom lip and you just, you know, it all fell out. <laughs> and you didn't acknowledge it at all. You just kept going. Yeah. That would be pretty funny too. It, w- it was definitely not, not to be ignored, but it's pretty funny. So where can our listeners find you? Oh my goodness. I hope that they find me all over the internet, but specifically you can find me on Instagram at my name, which is Tamara Glick. That's my handle. You can find me there. You can also go to TamaraGlick.com, which is my website. And I've also created a freebie just for your listeners called 15 Video Spoilers and How to Fix Them. That's exciting. Uh, Yeah. They just need to go to www.TamaraGlick.com slash Captivate and Convert Pod. That is very exciting. I will for sure leave the links to all of those all of those things in the show notes. I'll link to the freebie. That's really nice of you. Thank you. And all the different places that they can connect with you on the interwebs. Tamara, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you for tuning in to Captivate and Convert. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to support the podcast by leaving a five-star review and subscribing and sharing it with your biz besties. Your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners who want to grow and scale their businesses fast. And don't forget to post a screenshot of this podcast in your IG stories and tag me at Christy Sigelski so I can repost you. Until next time, cheers.